tonight on Late Night Love, Lubby and I talk about the slap heard around the world, but from a perspective you may not have heard before, so stick around for that. Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. And thank you for joining us tonight, my friends. Me and Lubby had a bit of a hectic time getting here because somebody forgot what time we start these things today. I was off by an hour. You're off by an hour. You're off buying land on your farm game or whatever it is you're playing. I love my farm game. Yeah, yeah, you love your farm game. Well, I guess that brings up a question of love, right? And, you know, let's just dive right into it. Everybody's talking about it and... I was reluctant to talk about it because I don't want to cover the same ground everybody else on the planet is, right? And for most of us who have seen it, or except for those of us living under a rock, have heard about, you know, the Will Smith. I heard about it. The Will I Smith, don't need to see it. The Will Smith, Chris Rock, uh, shall we say, we'll call it an entanglement, <laughs> to borrow a phrase. Anyway, and so everybody's been talking about all kinds of various um perspectives on it including my own i still have a half a thing that it's a bit of a setup but that's my own personal opinion we're gonna it's hollywood it's hard to take anything that comes out of hollywood seriously but we'll take it at face value for this discussion because it actually leads to an interesting discussion about um stress in in relationships and how that plays itself out in in the real world and you know and we all look at people like Will Smith and we say he's this highly successful person. What could he possibly have to be all stressed about? But, you know, relationship stress, you know, work stress, relationship stress, just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean the stress goes away. Just because you're a success doesn't mean your family is functional. You know, you be, there's lots of things. There could be other health issues other than, you know, the hair thing going on, Right. Because what is that they, they say she had? Um, I can't pronounce it. Alopecia? Alopecia? It's a hair loss condition. But it's not like it's breast cancer and you're losing hair from chemo treatment, right? So, and the joke was relatively mild. And so why would someone over-respond, right? Why would someone who's like Will Smith, who has a long history of being a kind, pleasant reasonable human being. There's no history of this kind of behavior. He's not kind of a diva person. This is kind of completely out of character, right? That's kind of why it was actually shocking because Will Smith doesn't behave like this. So there's got to be some other kind of stress into un, under his life that is not being reflected here. And it's, you know how sometimes this stuff comes out sideways is like we call it, right? You're feeling stressed and something innocuous happens, and for whatever reason, that gets all your, all your stress, all your, um, your anger, unloved. fear, comes on this one minute, and it's like completely un, it's like you gone completely overboard, right? Compared to the minute. But like I said, I've got the quote. The quote I like to say oftentimes is, "The straw that breaks the camel's back is rarely very heavy. It's all the other straws that have been on there. You know, it's not the last one you put on that's the problem." It's the fact that you overloaded it to begin with. 
right? It was already overloaded. If that last piece of straw broke the camel's back, it was already overloaded. And so that was the problem. And so the question is, what was going on in his life that's actually got him overloaded? Because it's completely out of character. And we can talk about all the repercussions. And we can talk about, you know, all the entitlement, celebrity entitlement and all that. But let's get down to a human thing. We can all do that. We've all had moments like that. Where we're not the person we want to be. Where we lash out at people for, you know, a small slight. That maybe not even a slight, especially in that circumstance. You know, when you get a bunch of celebrities into a room, you are targets of jokes, right? That's how you relate to the average person. That's how you, that's what relates you to the average people. Average people joke about their, their health issues all the time. I did. I couldn't have gotten through my last six months of being blind without joking about it. And the people around me feeling free to joke about it. Now, everybody's different. And, you know, some people have, you know, a, uh, harder time with that. But Will Smith is a jokey kind of guy. You would think that, you know, he would at least understand that it's an attempt at humor and not meant to be a, a slight. So why did he misinterpret what happened? What was going on so bad? And there's interesting. And if you go to latenightlove.us, you can see I posted some, uh, I posted some articles about And, you know, how stress can lead people to be what they're not. You know, stress in your life. And what's interesting, what I find interesting, and I was going researching this, is that men and women actually have a physical, a biological reaction to stress. Yes, this, I read this article. Where did you find this? This is a very good article. I highly recommend it. Well, actually, there's a good selection of articles to go check out today about stress and relationships and, and love and getting it back. So it's... It, Go down to go to latenightlove.us and check us out. And please do us a favor, like, subscribe, subscribe, share, do whatever, all that good stuff. Okay. And so women tend to want to, when they get under stress, they tend to want to bond. They want to find connections, human connections, right? But yes. men experience the fight or flight more often. Yes. I mean, and that's just the natural, there's a, there's a chemical that your body releases. I'm going to say Oxycontin, but it's not Oxytoxin, toxin. Yeah, I'm not a TV. Oxytocin, yeah. Yeah, oxy. Oxytocin. Yeah, something like that. Some oxy thing. Your body releases some oxy kind of chemical, and in but men get less of it, and so they have a tendency to go to fight or flight, and women get more of it, so they have a tendency to to want to, you know, latch on. Bond, nurture, bond care, and nurture and care, and it's the way nature has us programmed, right? Men are under stress. Men are programmed to fight it's or flight. It's so not fair. <laughs> and women are programmed to, to take, to, you know, seek care in a group. It's, you know, it is so ingrained into us that it's actually a chemical reaction. Now, the diversity of human beings, right? We all get it at different levels. I'm sure there's some men who get a lot of the, the oxychemical and there's some women who get less of it, right? So we all run the gamut. But this, we're talking generics, right? It's just, and so we experience the stress differently. We don't know we experience stress differently. Right? You go back to this when we were younger. Men are from Mars. 
women are from Venus. Well, it's almost true because we experience the world differently because our bodies respond differently to the exact same stress. And so the question is, why was he already under stress? As someone who's lived most of his life under fight or flight, I can understand why was he under stress at that night? Did they have an argument before? Is there, is there problems with their families? You know, is maybe he's got a health issue. He's maybe he's having the middle of a cancer scare that can screw with your brain. Even if it's just a remote possibility, you know, my guess is assuming that this whole thing is true, there's likely something else going on. And it's fundamentally probably none of our business. You know, on a human level, it's none of our business. And this incident is between, quite frankly, him, Chris Rock, and the Academy. It's the rest of us, it's none of our business. You know, from a human level. You know, this is not, if this was something in character, it's a different thing than this is something way out of character. And if it's way out of character, my thing is, what's the stress? What's the stresses? And, you know, hopefully he finds a way to get through it. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, the type of relationship him and Jada have, how open it is or isn't, and how accepting some people are in that relationship. And, you know, if you're going to have an open relationship of any form, you both have to be completely on board. Otherwise, it will never work. You can't have one person on board and one person just kind of did well eat at it and you know maybe okay for a point and then maybe someone changes changes their mind changes their feelings and you know because relationships evolve you know maybe it was okay in your 30s and 20s isn't okay in your 40s and 50s you know but if one person wants to continue and one doesn't you watching the you know who may very be watching the disintegration of a family and it's sad it wouldn't surprise me if in six months we find out there's they're divorcing and they've actually been kind of living that, you know, families on momentum, staying together for the kids, all that kind of thing. It wouldn't surprise me because that's the kind of thing happens when a, when a family is disintegrating and you can't do anything about it. You lash out at the world because the person you can turn to, you can't. Yeah. And I find the whole thing sad. So ultimately. Yes. You know, I actually find the only person who comes out of this looking good is Chris Rock. Right? He handled it like a gentleman. He could have pressed charges. He didn't. You know, he could have done all kinds of various things. He could have, you know, it, escalated the situation no one would have complained if he had escalated the situation right he's defending himself but he understood his his role where he was in the position and you know you've got to give him credit and remember there's a lot of people who are going to say chris rock was punked i don't think so i think chris rock showed the type of man we all should want to be is we recognize the situation and we react accordingly and you deal with something later you know Maybe he realizes something. Maybe he knows something we don't, you know? 
So I don't know. It's just so assuming this whole thing is real, I, I applaud Chris Rock for the way he's he's dealt with it. And you know, and I'm not going to be the one to throw stones at Will Smith until we know what's going on. It's so it's out of character, you know. But maybe it's not. Maybe behind closed doors, this is in character. You know, he's a world class actor. And we can't forget that when we deal with Hollywood. You know, we're dealing with world-class actors and people who can make us think that uh, space wizards and gnomes and dwarves and dragons are real. So, so it is what it is. So I really do. But how do you get de-stressed in that situation? You know, when you and you're when you're so stressed out about something, and you've got to find a way to de-stress. You know, how do you do it? Well, if it's a flash of anger, I use meditation. I breathe. I breathe because I know I'm not in my higher brain functioning. I'm flooded with chemicals, and I should not make a decision. I should not do anything right now. <laughs> yeah, being self-aware enough to know that you've kind of, and that's hard. It's because sometimes you don't know it. Kind of next thing you know, you're in the middle of this goofy rage or, or something. And you're going, "Good Lord, how the hell did I get here?" You know, but. I guess the question is, how do you not just do you get back? Because we're all going to get stressed, and we're all going to have periods of time where where we don't handle it as well as we'd like to you know but i've exploded yes and so and i've had to apologize <laughs> yeah having to go through that there's no you know that for me i hate doing that so that's actually what keeps me <laughs> on. hate doing that hate admitting i'm wrong <laughs> such so annoying <laughs> Well, it can damage relationships, so I try not to do it. Which is interesting, because in the third article, we find out that a relationship that yo-yos is actually worse than a complete negative relationship. Relationship that yo-yos between, you know, the positive and and reinforcing, you know, the positive reinforcement, the loving, kind relationship, one that yo-yos is actually more stressful and more damaging, both emotionally and physically, to... Uh, to a person than a relationship. I was negative. in a come here, go away relationship for two years. Yeah. The, the, it was hell. Yeah. The yo-yo was harder than, well, at least I, I know what's, you know, you know what it is. You know what your world that you're existing is. You can, you can adapt to it. Right. Even if it's always negative, you can adapt to it. Right. We're humans. We have, we're, we're, a mat, we're tremendous creatures, but it's the yo-yoing where you don't know what to expect. That's, you know, a, a very damaging to your psyche and your body because, you know, the up downs of stress. It's hard on your, your muscles, your, your nerves, everything, your organs. You're continually getting into the fight or flight mode. That's a horrible way to. Uh... They talk about health, of, health effects. Mm -hmm. And when it, some of the signs that um, that too much stress in your relationship 
stress relationship stress can lose lead to mental health problems like anxiety when you're around your partner over analysis of your interactions oh my god yes and talking to your girlfriends for hours why did he say this what did he mean inability to control your emotions feeling depressed or withdrawn problem sleeping And it can, it can result in health issues, stomach issues, skin problems, increased risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, and a weakened, weaker immune system. Yeah, so all this from a dysfunctional relationship. It's, yes. It's like reading the, it's like reading the uh, side effects of, of a pres, you know, some prescription drug. May cause, you know, <laughs> a bad relationship may cause headaches, nausea, <laughs> dizziness. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of appetite, <laughs> sleep disorders. You know, it's like it's like the listening to the lawyers at the end of a commercial. <laughs> if you have any of these conditions, please consult your doctor. It's, <laughs> it's it's crazy, but it's also exceedingly true. I mean, what's the biggest killer? It's actually stress. Hypertension is the biggest killer, and that's the re that's the result of stress. Because people not managing their stress. Or more importantly, not realizing they're in a stressful situation and not finding a way out of it. Okay, what I like about this article is it it gives solutions. Mm -hmm. How to reduce relationship stress. Support your partner. Yeah. Yeah. You want to always you want to be supportive, right? Why wouldn't you? This is the person you love and you care about. Of course you want to support them in their goals and dreams. That's how you grow together instead of growing apart. Right? You become each other's trellis. Instead of... Yeah, you should definitely avoid the, uh, well, let them see how it feels. Yeah. To, to, you know, they're all withdrawn. You're feeling lonely. You know, you got to be the one to reach out. Why should you do that? Because it's your turn. Because why wouldn't you? You know, and now I get it. Their relationships can get to a point where they're so dysfunctional, it's time to move on. But if you're at that stage where, well, I'm going to see how he feels, then your relationship is essentially lost. Because you've kept score. You're not trying to win. You're not trying to, you know, build something. You're trying to win. And that's just a wrong-headed in your relationship. So be be each other's trellis. Be the trellis for the other person. You know, you be the person you stand there so they can build themselves to the person they want to be. And if you do that to each other, you can create this wonderful thing. You don't know what it's going to look like, but that's the beauty of it. What I like is this next one is offer to help. What I like is you do you don't know what to do, so you ask me. <laughs> I don't know what to do for you right now. Do you want to be alone? Can I help you? Is there something you want to do? Can I help you with it? <laughs> well, if you don't know what to do, you ask, right? That better. It's, it's funny. When I worked at an assembly line, we used to have a, a, a saying, you better ask somebody, right? Because literally we worked in high pressure hoses. And if we made a mistake, you could literally kill somebody. And so the, the, you know, it, it was pound into our heads. You better ask somebody. If you're not sure, you better ask somebody. And if you are sure, you look it up anyway. And, <laughs> right, you always check the chart. 
and that would come by as you better ask somebody. And, you know, that's a lesson I've taken. You know, I've learned a lot of life lessons working in an assembly line and, and, and working with the people on an assembly line. There's a lot of life lessons to be learned in that. And, you know, you know, life is in essentially a production line, right? And various moving parts. So what else you got over there? Improve our communication skills. Yes, listening skills. Listening. We all talk well, but if you improve your listening skills, your ability to, to speak, to say what you think and mean is will become better. Choose your words carefully. Yeah. Say what you mean. Precisely. Uh, discussions where you don't you don't rush to defend yourself. Yes, you're not trying to win, you're trying to understand. And that's actually a different discussion. Far too often in relationships and in life, we're trying to win instead of understand, you know, and it's, it's understandable, right? You, you, in a sense, you feel attacked when all someone else is actually trying to do is understand. And so you end up with this mutually defensive conversation and it's no longer a conversation. It's an argument. And so if you approach a conversation with, I'm trying to understand rather than I'm trying to be right, you know? Being right is overrated. You can be right, but if you implement, but if you try to be right wrong, you're still wrong. And you can do the right thing the wrong way, and guess what? You're wrong. So, listening, using your words precisely, that's a good one, right? Yes. Be kind. Slow down and choose your words. Say exactly what you mean. Don't assume, you know, that they'll understand because they may not. They may be under stress and interpreting the world differently. Use your words precisely, which is why you try not to speak in anger, because when you're angry, you don't use words precisely. You often lash out. And so you're trying to hurt the other person. You, you, you're feeling hurt and you want to hurt back. So you do it verbally. It's, it's human. It's human nature. It's everybody does it, and it's it's a struggle to not. But the more you practice it, the the easier it becomes. The easier it becomes. And you got to manage your own stress. Yes. Do your take your steps so you can yeah, manage your own stress. And however you do that, right? There's a hundred ways to manage your own stress, and you find the way that works for you. You know, it's not your partner's responsibility. You know, it's that they're there to help. They're not there to be responsible for it. Okay. Create a calm environment. Before settling, uh, stress usually <coughs> arises at points where you're taking on the day with a lack of sleep or, or adequate nutrition. Slow down. Make time for your body. Yep. Live a slower life. If you're going too fast, you're going too fast. You can't interpret the world if you're moving at 100 miles an hour. Care, for, care for your body. Yeah, well, I mean. Prioritize self-care. Yeah. Spend some time. You know, a lot of times we chase. We spend so much time chasing our dreams, we forget to understand why we have our dreams. Yeah. We're like a dog 
chasing a car. And then if we ever catch it, we don't even know what to do with it. You know, for many of us, we actually already have our dream. We have a family that loves us, you know. We have a spouse, families, you know. Maybe we have some meaning in life. Maybe not necessarily from your job, but from maybe you have it from your your hobby community or your or your church or your you know or, or your social clubs or whatever. You know, maybe you're part of a political party. It doesn't really matter what it is. You have something in your life that gives you meaning. You have a family that loves you. You have a relationship that's functional. You know, you have. What more do you really want? No, it's nice to have nice things. Don't get me wrong. But if you've got all that, you're the richest person in the world. Everything else is gravy. You know, the, one of the most important aspects of self-care is taking stock of what you have and appreciating it. You know, it's easy to, to point the fingers at what you don't have. It's easy to point you to, to look in the mirror and see everything that's wrong. It's much harder to look in the mirror and see everything that's good. But if you uh, want to have a balanced life, you have to do that. It's just the way the, the cookie crumbles, my friend. There was a stress and violence essay. Yeah, that's just an interesting one to read. You might want to go uh, read it. It's how, and it does, it, it's just a. It's a very short. It, well, actually, it's not short. You have to order it. Don't order it. Just just send a. a oh, you do. Yeah, but don't, I, I'm going to give you all a little hint. If you want a paper like that, you don't actually have to order it from the website. Just find out the email address of, of one of the authors. And send them an email, and the most more often than not, way, way, way more often than not, they'll send you a copy, because they don't make any money from those. So they'll just send you a copy. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you don't actually have to pay for most research papers. You just send an email, and, and people are happy to send it to you. Interesting little tidbit that people don't know, because why would you? Most people aren't like me and like to read these things as. as recreation so <laughs> probably happy that someone asked huh? yeah they're happy to say hey somebody wants to read my stuff yeah yeah they're happy to do it is that you know we all like a good lift right hey i was interested in reading your thing but i can't afford it you know or i don't want to pay the 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 uh the fee for the publishing fee or whatever it is and so all right so let me get oh Celebrity's going to go away. I, well, to cover a question. All right, so what do we got here? Well, maybe I won't cover a question. Maybe we'll just wrap up this whole Will Smith and stress thing. It's stress and the ability to become something we don't like. It's within all of us. You know, one of the realest things about what happened at the Oscars is that could be any of us. You know, a lot of us want to sit in judgment. Then it's fair enough. But we should be very careful. Because we are nothing but a, a cancer diagnosis away 
a disintegrating marriage away. You know, career stress. You know, maybe you're just unhappy with the direction of your life. Maybe you've had an argument with your spouse for the third day in a row. Maybe your child's a delinquent, doesn't want to go to school, causing problems. And these, uh, you know, all this happens at the wrong time, the wrong day. It can be any one of us. Every single one of us is capable of doing things we don't want to do and becoming a person we don't want to become. And so, you know, deal with the consequences. Will Smith will have to deal with the consequences, but, you know, the rest of us should not judge at this point, unless it's a, uh, you know, we should have a little humanity under the assumption that this is a, uh, a man in crisis. And that's all we're going to say for that. All right, Libby, what do we got? My neighbor complained to me about the lights I leave on outside my house at night, but I just ignore him. Last night, he called the cops and threatened to sue me. Will they do anything about it? Well, the cops won't do anything about it, but the, he, he will sue you about it, but likely they'll send you to, med, to mediation, and, and you'll have to come up with some kind of agreement. That's what you will. That will happen because what's happening is your light is probably shining right into his bedroom and it's annoying. Now, he could get blackout curtains and solve it on his end. Or you could be a kind neighbor and unplug the light or find some kind of shade that doesn't make it shine right into his, his bedroom. You know, there's solutions to this problem other than, you know, ignoring it. And then going to court and having a a negative relationship. Deal with this like a kind and compassionate human being. You go over, you knock on the door. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll turn off this light. I'll unplug. I'll screw. I'll screw the light bulbs until I can get a shade. Right? They have shades that guide the lights that prevent them from going past a certain point. Right? You can get one. You go to Home Depot and you get a shade. You deal with the problem. We had the same thing. We had a a, a light. A security light out here on our porch, but when you plug this screw in, it's old and it, and it buzzes, and it, it's right under the bedroom for my next door neighbor. And he came over and said, "Hey, your light's buzzing." So you know what I did? I went out there and I unscrewed the light. Why would I make him suffer over a freaking light buzzing? You know, just because you have the right to have that light on doesn't mean you necessarily should find a solution. There's probably an easy compromise that you're not seeing. Maybe after a certain time. Yeah. Turn it off at 10 o'clock. Well, no, it's probably, it's, you want to, it's, it's a security light, as I'm sure is what it is. It's a security light that's shining bright, right into someone's bedroom, and it's, and it's annoying them, and they can't sleep. We understand how that goes, you know? It's, it's, a, it's not unreasonable to ask your neighbor to, you know, redirect the light or to put a shade on it or something. It's not unreasonable. You ignoring it is unreasonable. And you're ignoring it has caused it to escalate. So stop ignoring it. Find a, find a compromise. Okay. 
You find a new job, so you give your employer two weeks notice. Your boss then gets angry that you're quitting and tells you not to come back anymore. How should you respond to your boss? You don't. Look, let's, we all have to remember this two-week notice is a courtesy. And many companies have a policy of not wanting someone who's leaving around. It's a security issue, right? Disgruntled employees, you know, things happen. Now, good companies often will pay you for those last two weeks. I've, often, I've had companies pay me for the last two weeks. Yeah, me too. But they have to. You know, what do you do? If you want, you take a couple weeks off, go have a vacation, or you call up your new boss and say, hey, I'm, a, I'm available you know, sooner if you need me. You move on. You behave like an adult. Just because they can't deal with the, you know, the realities of life doesn't mean you can't. You're moving anyway. You left that job for a reason. There's nothing to do. There's literally nothing to do here other than, you know, be the bigger human being because that's what you want to be. Okay. Do narcissistic people miss their children? Well, it depends on miss your children and depends on, you know, narcissism, you know, manifests itself differently. So we can't make a, like, uh, broad brush but if a narcissist misses their children you might argue that the reason they're you know are they missing them because they care and love them or are they missing them because they don't have someone to kind of lives to dictate to lives to control and they're missing their control you know they're missing being the center of attention you know that's probably possible but you know, narcissists aren't really that different than the rest of us you know they care about things it just manifests itself weird because you know it comes out strange because they have a distorted view of the world you know they have an over centric view of the world they lack empathy for whatever reason narcissists can't you know take their feelings and say if i feel bad when someone does x to me if i do x to someone else they're going to feel bad that way i shouldn't do it you know like the golden rule they can't comprehend it for whatever reason that they can't be taught so you may not feel it but the, you know like an autistic person they can't maybe they can't feel it but they can understand it and they can react to the understanding so can they miss their children of course they can they're still human you know but if you're severe on it you're probably missing them for a distorted reason yeah, that's probably the danger. But, you know, they're still human. And it is a scale. <laughs> you know, it's not, not all narcissists are, are extreme narcissists, right? You know, it's, <laughs> these still normal human beings is just these self-centric. That's all. So anyway, what do you got? Our therapists typically blunt. I just started seeing one. And at the end of our first session, she stated that my life was clearly on a collision course. I was expecting her to be less negative and harsh in her assessment of my situation. Well, I, I, therapists have their own unique style. But I'll tell you this. Do you want to know where you're at or not? 
you've got a therapist because you need someone to help you deal with your life as being out of control. That's why you went. You damn well know your life's out of control. That's why you went to a therapist. <laughs> you know you're headed down a not good path. That's why you're there. Why are you surprised that she told you this? She knows what she's doing. Trust her. Now, maybe you need someone who's softer. You know, maybe. But give it five successions and see. My guess is she's got a good read on you. Most of them do. You know, but give it a few times. Because you didn't say you had a bad experience. You said you were just shocked. My question is, why were you shocked? You went there for a reason. She's got you pegged. You needed the shock. You needed someone to tell you your life is out of control. You know your life is out of control because you went to a therapist. You needed someone to tell you this. And now you need to accept it and move forward. It's an opportunity. Now, maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe after four or five, six sessions, you find out, you know, these, you, you doesn't match. But she's done you a favor. You know where you're at. Okay. You know, give it a chance. My guess is she's got you pegged. Okay. My 14-year-old son asked me for a new Xbox, and I accidentally got him the Series S instead of the Series X. He never told me there were two different ones. Now he refuses to talk to me and walks out of the room whenever I enter. What should I do? Well, if he hasn't opened it and played with it yet, you take it back and get a refund. And you wait until he has a better attitude, and then you go back and get him the one he wanted. Because right now what he's going to expect is he's expecting you for whatever reason. And remember, you've raised him, so this is, you know, <laughs> you know, he's a child. You're the adult. You've raised him, so he's this way for reasons. So you're going to have to deal with it, you know, as the adult. But you can't reward him for this behavior either, right? So you take the Xbox, assuming he hasn't opened it and played with it yet. And if he's opening and playing with it, well, then, you know, he's ruined it. Because if you hadn't opened and played with that, you can take it back, get your refund, and you wait until he's got a better attitude, until you go, until you go deal with it. You don't actually you don't tell him at this stage. This is how I would deal with it. Your mileage may vary dealing with my my son. If he'd had a good attitude, your mileage may vary. <laughs> well, if you if he'd had a good attitude with it, you immediately take it back. You get the refund, you buy him the one you wanted because that's the one you were going to get him. If, if you'd have known, you would have gotten it for him, right? So you just, you fix it. If he's got a good attitude about it, but he's got a crappy attitude about it and you can't reward the crappy attitude. So you take it back, right? You return it because if you bought it on Amazon or something, you can return it, especially if it's unopened. You just return it. You get your money back and then you wait until he's got a good attitude for it and then you reward and then you, you buy it for him again, the right one. Or the one he would have preferred. Because when you're taking it back and not... That may be a long way. Nah, as a teenager. It won't take but a month. <laughs> as a teenage boy, it won't take but a month. 
Trust me. No, I've raised lots of teenage boys, man. I can tell you. Take but a month. If that. Because what happens is when you take it back and you don't come back with the next one, it's going to send the message. You don't have to even say anything. Now, if he asks you about it, you tell him. You had a crappy attitude. When you have a better attitude, <laughs> I'll go back and get you the one you preferred. Yeah. So we had a miscommunication about which one you actually wanted. I bought the one I thought, you know, and you went over the edge. So you can't reward that behavior because you know, you've got to teach them to use their words and communicate <laughs> when they ask for things. <laughs> and if something goes wrong, you have to teach them how to, you know, respond appropriately. So anyway, that's what I would do, you know, but the gamut runs. Some people would just, take it back. Some people would make them deal with it and you know, take your pick, but I'm always trying to teach lessons rather than punish. So don't punish the behavior. You teach them why it's wrong and you don't reward it. So. All right. I don't want to get married. I want to adopt a child and be a single parent. How will it affect the mental health of the child? Should I just get married if I want a kid? No, don't just get married if you want a child. It's perfectly reasonable for you want to be a single parent, a single father. And a child who does not have parents is going to be better off with one than not. Look, let's be clear. Is a two-parent household, a functional two-parent household best? Yes, it is. But a functional one-parent household is better than a foster home. Or, or an orphanage or something, right? Yep. And if you care and you try and you love, they'll be fine. The trauma from being, uh, you know, adopted is from being rejected from their birth parents for whatever reason, you know, however they got into the situation is more of a trauma than the fact that you're a single parent. So no, don't get married because you just want a child. There's plenty of children who need a loving and kind parent. You know, just go in with eyes open. Go through the process. You know, that it's a long process and it's frustrating, but it's a long process for a reason. Because this is a lifetime commitment and you don't have the bonds of biology. And so you need to, in order to have your eyes open, it's going to take some time to go through that process. But do it. I'll, I encourage you to. Because these children need people who love them. And that is good for their mental health. Right? Yes. Yeah. Having a parent that loves you is good for your mental health. It's far better than, you know, foster parents are, are great. They're loving, kind, compassionate people, but they're not the same as a forever parent. They're just not. Okay. <sighs> my current husband doesn't want to go to my son's wedding with me. No blood, blood. He just doesn't feel like it. So <laughs> I tell my son, and how do I handle this? He just doesn't want to go. 
Well, there may be reasons he doesn't want to go. Maybe he's got an undiagnosed anxiety disorder and, and things like, you know, the social pressure situations, or he's slightly autistic and, and he doesn't understand the social cues of anxiety. So, and so there might be a reason. And so you deal with that reason, you know, and if it's extreme, if it's an extreme reaction, then okay. You know, and there's times I don't go to events because, you know, it's for me, I don't like, I can't eat food. And a lot of these times, you know, a wedding is a little different, but a lot of, you know, events are culture around food and it's actually more offensive to not, to not eat your feet, the food than to not go. And so I choose to not go. I know you've <laughs> never been to eat. No, because it's all about, it's all about the food. It's all about food and I can't eat it. And, and, and the general, if you don't eat food in that situation, you're being rude. And so, you know, I understand I'm actually being culturally sensitive, right. By not going, I feel bad, but I also know that if I go and don't eat it, uh, it's, I'm actually sending the worst thing. And so you balance these things, but I just, you know, so you have to understand why, if it's just, he's lazy, he doesn't like going to weddings and doesn't want to spend the afternoon. You tough shit, buttercup. <laughs> you signed up for this kind of thing. <laughs> go spend an afternoon at the goddamn wedding. <laughs> Now, how do you tell him that? I don't know. Talk to his mother. <laughs> that would be my suggestion. If you can, talk to his mother. <laughs> That's dirty pool. Yeah. Hey, I'm a guy telling you to talk to his mother, okay? So it's not like it's some woman telling you to talk to his mother. Talk to his mother. She'll tell you how to how to deal with it. Or she may give him a lecture. You know, you don't know. But your husband should go, and you have every right to be up. You have every right to be upset if he doesn't. I would be. I mean, assuming there's not a rational reason, right? Yeah. And there may be a rational reason, and you figure that out. But uh, but if it's just I don't want to go, tough shit. <laughs> Toughen up, Buttercup. <laughs> It's a day, you know, do it for your wife. Good Lord. My five-year-old daughter cried for hours when I told her that I'm pregnant. She doesn't want a sibling. Should I be worried if she's this upset? No, not now. She's five. Yeah, she's five. She knows her, her world is changing and she doesn't know how. She knows her world is changing. You know, lots of children get that sibling rivalry stuff when they're young and they're fine when they're older. Sometimes they're fine when they're young and it gets bad when they're older. You know, you don't know. It, this means nothing in the grand scheme of things other than she realizes that, you know, she's observant enough to realize her life is going to change and she likes her life the way it is. Ah! That's all that is. <laughs> I'm the center of attention and I'm no longer going <laughs> to let her have her emotions. Yeah, she'll be fine. She'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I bit my sister's nose. <laughs> the baby kept crying. She kept crying. The kid, she was in the other room and then she kept crying and they could never figure it out. They'd come in, what's wrong? I don't know. And then one time they came in and they found teeth marks on her nose. Yeah, but see, now you two are perfectly fine. See, so it means nothing. 
<laughs> She's my best friend. Yeah, see, so it means it really means nothing. Other it than, doesn't mean anything. It's just immature emotion. Yeah, it's children are acting out of emotions, and because the they haven't learned how because they're children, they haven't learned how to control them yet. And as we've seen, some adults haven't learned how to control them yet in certain situations. Right? That's so you know the opening topic. You know, it's a hard thing. So give her a break. She'll be all right. Just help guide her through it. That's all. You know, be an attentive parent and you'll be fine. My daughter got a helix piercing. She's 18 years old and I did not give her permission. It's small on the top of her right ear, but I don't know what to make of it. What should I do? Nothing. <laughs> She's 18. Yeah. You, yeah. Um, my daughter at 18 went out and got tattoos, despite the fact that I don't like it. And guess what? <laughs> There's nothing I'm gonna do about it. With two of my girls, I went with them on their birthday to get their eight their, when they were 18 to get their tattoos. Yeah, let's be see. I'm you know I don't put bumper stickers on Ferraris and you know and that kind of thing. And it's just you know I'm not a tattoo person and I you know but my daughter Miss Afraid of Needles has now gotten a bunch of tattoos. And it's, you know, it's fine. I don't, you don't have to like all their decisions. It doesn't, it's, you know, they're the ones that have to deal with it or not. You know, it's not your life anymore. She's 18. Let it go. Be lucky that's all she pierced. Yeah. Well, well, chances are she's going to stop there, slim to none. But <laughs> yeah, I'm subtly in my friend. <laughs> but, you know, you're you're uh, hardcore being against it may have actually set her on this path. You may have given her something to rebel against. So, the sooner you accept it, the sooner she may stop doing it. So, consider that. Okay. If a new hire knows within two to three months that a job is bad fit for him, should he quit then or wait a full year to not look like he's job hopping? Um, why would you waste a year in building your career in a place that you know you don't fit? You immediately go try and find another job. Job hopping is not a problem anymore. That's it's a, that's a mindset of the 70s. There's nothing worse for you in the career than to be a place that's a dead end. I mean, if you're a career-oriented person, so don't waste a year. You're wasting a year in a place you know you're not going to be. Why would you do that? You go someplace else. You go someplace where you want to go. Or in this case, you look for one. You start looking for one. It's just you, be, be loyal to yourself before you're loyal to the company because the company will be loyal to you before they're loyal to itself Then they're loyal to you, right? They'll lay you off at the hot... That beat of a hat, right? Drop. They'll just lay us off. They'll lay people off, but if it serves their purpose. So, if it serves your purpose to go to someplace else, you go someplace else. That's how the market works. If you're not happy there, you go find someplace where you are. And wasting a year someplace where you're not happy, where you're not going to advance, isn't going to help your career. It's going to set it back a year. And talk about stress, being someplace you don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. It's just, there's, and you're not helping the company because you're not going to have a good idea. So it's a bad deal all the way around. 
right? If it's if you don't fit, it's a bad deal all the way around, and you you move on as fast as you can. If you're in a bad situation, you move on as fast as you can. That's all. It's you know have loyalty to yourself. That's what I've got to say. Okay. Every every year, my sister's husband asks if he can bring his mom over. <laughs> To our house for a New Year's brunch the very last minute. This year, I would prefer that it's close family only. What are some polite ways to say no? Am I being unreasonable? Well, a if he does it every year, you know it's happening, so it's not un, un, it's not no longer unexpected. And b it's his mother. Uh, how is that not close family? And she's old, but she's probably in a retirement home or something. And she's got no place else to go. Why are you, what is your problem? She's not a nice woman? You know, maybe that's it. But it's, good Lord, it's one night a year. Is it the fact that he doesn't think about it until the until the last minute? And I don't know. Maybe he's hoping one of his other siblings will take care of it. And, and they never do. So he steps in. No. Maybe a little less selfishness on this one. Think about what you're giving by having his mother come. You're giving an elderly person, uh, you know, a nice party once a year for a few hours. And quite frankly, if she's not close family, I don't know what qualifies then. Maybe you're a definition of close family needs to be re-examined that's what i would kind of consider so okay what should i do i don't want my one-month-old child the result of my trauma anymore i can't stand the crying and every time i look at her i start having panic attacks Mm -hmm. I've already tried therapy, too. I also know I'm a bad person. One, you're not a bad person. Whether this is a result of trauma or postpartum depression, you need help. You can't have enough therapy in a month. Now, you may need for a time to find someone to take care of that baby for you, a family member. You know, I don't want to hate to tell you to rush to give it to an adoption, but, you know, that may be your ultimate you know, ultimate solution is if you realize that I can't raise this child, then your choice is adoption. Right? That's your choice. Then you need help to get to that decision. You're going to need help along the way. And this quitting therapy right now is not a good idea. No. And get help. Some, and if you can't. You may need medication for a while. Try another therapist. You may be postpartum depression, and it may be something, and so you're misinterpreting the postpartum depression as your trauma. But you're not going to understand all this until you kind of help you work through it. And you may not be able to work through it. You may need to get someone to watch that child for you for a few months while you work through it. You know, your, your mother, your sister, your aunt, who knows? But there's people, and if you can't find one, call your 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 county resources right there's a county resource uh, a state resource somewhere good lord just just call any hotline you know call a mental health hotline call a suicide hotline doesn't matter they will point you in the right direction okay because you don't want this to get worse 
you know there's a good sign here though you reached out for help that's always the hardest part so get the help you need the help you need is you need someone to help you with that baby right now and then you need to deal with your trauma and then you need to make a decision because you can't make a decision right now you just can't your brain is too filled with trauma it's not possible to make a rational decision and so the best rational decision is to find someone to watch the baby for you while you deal with this and then you find out and if you you know and then you find out where you're going to go from here But if you absolutely can't do it, you call your local county, you tell them you, you can't do it, and you you call the adoption agency, you, you deal with it. Right? We, we just had another story here about someone who wants to adopt a child. You know, there are people out there who are willing to do it. So you don't have to suffer. But, you know, try not to, whatever you do, don't make rash decisions right now. You're just not in the space to do it. Get some help. Okay, let's move on. Is it normal for my 12-year-old daughter to get upset when I pick out clothes for her, especially if they're from children's stores? My daughter is not a teenager yet, so I don't know why she's acting like one when she isn't. She couldn't even get it out. <laughs> yes, it's perfectly normal. Quite frankly, if she waited till 12. <laughs> You're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. You, she, you called what we reached the stages. The clothes choices are no longer yours. You give boundaries, and inside those boundaries, they get choices. That's it. Right? That's You've reached the stage now where they need to express themselves. You give them boundaries. No tummies. Yeah. Yeah. You can say yes or no, but they get to make the ultimately they have to, they have to choose. You can say that's too revealing. You know, you can, you can make those choices right as a parent, but you know, if they want to wear mismatched socks and, and a shirt and pants that don't match, it's perfect. You've got to let them. Let them express themselves. It's time. Yeah. If you want to prevent them from putting things in their ears, let them express themselves in their clothes. Now, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Next thing you know, they're going to have blue hair. So, you know, you got to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's, they're just, yes, this is perfectly normal. And it's just a sign that it's time for that relationship to change, to evolve. That's it. That's all it is. It, you know, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> Welcome to the club. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> what else you got? Last one. I found out my 17-year-old daughter purchased an inappropriate toy online, so I took away her debit card, and I'm regulating her job money, but now she's barely talking to me. What do I do? Quit being a controlling know-it-all. Yeah. Uh, Why are you being so judgmental? Don't you have a toy? What's the matter with you? Well, hey, she's seventeen. She's got a job. The money is hers, so you got to you've got to give all this stuff back to her and apologize for for intervening where it's not your place. 
not 12, 13, 14, where, okay, you might be able to, to make the decision. She's 17. She's a young woman now. And she can't make these kind of choices now. She's going to make them in a few months when she's 18. And then what are you going to do? See what you've done. You've created, rather than creating an opportunity for you guys to, you know, evolve your relationship to the adult relationship that you're going to have, you've taken this and you've pushed her back into childhood. She has every right to be mad at you. It's not about the vibrator. It's not about the, the debit cards and the money. It's about you have pushed her back to childhood. She is a 17-year-old young woman, and you have pushed her back to five. For what? Because, because you don't think she should you know, explore that part of her womanhood? It's going to happen whether you like it or not. Clearly. All you're doing is making her hide it. You're literally making it worse. You're literally making her sexuality more dangerous. Don't you want to be there to answer questions and to guide her? Yeah, instead of, instead of it being a talking you've, point. You've closed doors. You, how does this open doors? Your job is to help her become a functional young woman. She's 17. Sex is part of her future life, whether you like it or not. And you've prevented that. You've prevented that growth. So you, what you do is you give it back to her. You apologize, and you say, when you can trust me again, I'd like us to talk about, have a talk about these things. You don't have a right to ask her at that moment. You give her back the stuff, you apologize, and he says, when you can trust me again, I, um, you know, I would like to talk about this. It will go a long way. Because love, empathy, and understanding goes a long way goes a long way in our relationships it goes a long way in raising our children it goes a long way in our in our work life it goes a long way in our social lives love empathy and understanding is how we move forward in our personal lives and in life in general so with that me and lovey want to thank you for joining us we want to remind you to like Share, subscribe, do all those good things. Go to latenightlove.us. You can find us at Late Night Love over at Locals and on your favorite podcast networks. And please remember to love everybody. Good night.